You're a pediatrician, and you're asked by a new family that wants to see you if they can see you, but not vaccinate their children. What are you going to do? Especially knowing that you have several patients who are immune compromised. That's what we're going to cover today in our episode of Interview Prep. With Dr. Elaine Reno from the University of Colorado Wilderness Medicine Program, I am Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm excited to bring you our second episode of Interview Prep, where we're going to cover a question that comes up all the time. Vaccines. What are we supposed to do? What are the consequences? What are the considerations? What should you be thinking about if this comes up in an interview, whether a traditional interview or an MMI setting? Again, our job here is to help you think through the process, not necessarily give you the right or wrong answer. This question today, this topic today is a little bit harder to stay on one side versus the other, but we try our best. So hopefully you get a lot of great information out of the episode today. Dr. Elaine Reno, we're back for some more fun moral ethical debates Our last episode, we talked about blood transfusion and Jehovah's Witnesses. This week, we're going to talk about vaccines. And vaccines seem to be a huge trigger nowadays with the whole anti-vax movement. Thank you, Dr. What's his name? Campbell? Is that his name? I thought it was Wakefield. Oh, yeah, Wakefield. Wakefield. Yeah, Andrew Wakefield. 100%. Campbell's (laughs) is the soup. (laughs) Darn it. I always get those mixed up. Thank you, chicken noodle soup, Um, which uh, is a good alternative to vaccines, I think. Chicken noodle soup from Campbell's. But anyway, science would argue that that is not true. Well, let's let's talk about science, because apparently science doesn't always win out. So coming into an interview process, uh, a very simple question that could be asked is, hey, you're a pediatrician. Would you allow patients whose parents don't want their kids to be vaccinated? Simple question. What are your thoughts around that? This, I think, is anything but a simple question because you really have two competing interests. And when you guys are debating these ethical scenarios in these interviews, I think think about what are your competing interests. So the first, we see a pediatrician, as a full disclosure, that only allows vaccinated children into her practice unless they have a specific medical exemption that she approves. Did you Um, specifically seek out a pediatrician that did that? Yes, because I did not want my child to catch measles in her waiting room. Okay. So we looked for a pediatrician that specifically did that. So I I think you have your two competing interests. And I have to say, anytime I think about an ethical dilemma, I think about what are my own inherent biases. So full disclosure, my child is completely up to date with vaccines, 100%. And I believe every child should get complete the complete vaccine series. But the question isn't what I think scientifically, because what I think scientifically is very clear to me. The question is, what do I think ethically? Mm-hmm. And ethically, you're talking about a debate between parental autonomy, so the rights of the parent to choose for the safety and health of their child versus sort of the rights of the child for appropriate medical care and wellness and health. Um, And then I actually think you have to throw in a third thing. Um, And the third factor is the rights of the community as a whole in terms of safety and wellness. And we can talk about each piece of those and how it comes into play. Yeah, because last last time we talked about Jehovah's Witnesses and, and denying potentially 
a blood transfusion to a minor, if you do that, the minor dies, and there's no other potential consequences. If you allow a, a minor to not get the measles vaccine because the parents don't believe in measles and think that, uh, or don't believe in the measles vaccine or vaccines at all, uh, and all those other thoughts that come with that, when that kid then goes home or goes to school and a neighbor is immunocompromised for whatever reason, right? Maybe they have leukemia going through a transplant, bone marrow transplant, all this fun stuff that isn't very fun, but it leaves the, the, the kid immunocompromised. Now you're risking the, the community at large. And so how do, you, how do you weigh public health versus that patient autonomy or parent autonomy in this case? I think that's a great question. And actually, if you follow the news, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think measles was entirely eradicated with, from Costa Rica, and then a French family reintroduced it on vacation to the entire country, right? And so if you think about the consequences for that country, like this was a country that was declared free of a disease process, and one person on vacation reintroduced it. And it, don't quote me, but if you read, if I remember correctly from the news reports, the child was unvaccinated. The family knew there was a measles outbreak in their school and they did not cancel their vacation. And as a result, they reintroduced a disease with severe consequences to an entirely you know, new country that had successfully eradicated it. So that's not trivial, right? Like that family decided to weigh the joy of their vacation higher than the public health consequences to an entire nation, right? Knowing their child had been exposed to measles and was unvaccinated. Like, do, you, do you think it can cross their mind? I mean, I would hope so, but maybe not. I, I don't know, you know? Like the consequences are really quite significant. The news reports where they quarantined the child, and I don't know if it led to an outbreak or not, but I think they made the wrong ethical choice, right? Like they jeopardized the safety of an entire country to make sure that they got to go on vacation. Like, and honestly, they took a sick child on an airplane. Like that, that's a big deal. But so the public health consequences of measles and all vaccines are, are not trivial, right? And it, it's really something to consider when you think about there's a whole subset of our population that cannot be immunized. And we need a specific number of people to be immunized to reach herd immunity. To me, that is a very compelling argument as a physician. And there are specific vaccines like yellow fever where they will not allow you to enter the country without vaccine proof. And it's not up for debate and there aren't specific exemptions related to it um, uh, beyond, like there are some specific exemptions related to it, but personal preference is not one of them. It's really, do you have a medical exemption? Otherwise you need proof of this vaccine to enter this country. But the competing argument to that is parental autonomy. And I am a physician, you know, I'm medically trained. I've done a lot of immunology and biochemistry and I've read plenty of vaccine literature. And I think vaccines are safe and effective and have saved millions and millions of lives. The other side of the coin, which I don't support scientifically, but I understand it ethically is that Parents feel like vaccines cause harm in their children and their understanding of vaccine consequences are that, you know, it causes medical diseases or autism. And I don't support that argument scientifically, but ethically, this is a parent who's trying to do what they think is in the best interest of their child. And it saddens me that trust in the medical community has eroded to the point where 
parents feel like we would deliberately misinterpret science to vaccinate their child against their will. But that that's kind of the consequences. And that's a situation right now. And so I get ethically why, you know, parental autonomy exists. I think for a long time, we've allowed a lot of parental autonomy. And as the measles outbreak is currently occurring, it seems like as a society, we're starting to swing back towards, um, you know, less vaccine exemptions and more um, sort of mandatory vaccinations. And obviously, I don't have the right answer on this. I think that the right answer is going to be very individualized. And I think it would change if I had an immunocompromised child or family member and how I would feel um, about you know, people who I feel misinterpret science and then, you know, put that family member at risk. But as a mom, I don't ever want to do something to my child that could harm them. And if you really feel that this causes harm, then I can see where they're coming from. Yeah, it's it's having empathy, right? <laughs> having empathy for where they're coming from. And, and that's always a huge part of these answers is being empathetic to the other side and not going, well, I think everyone uh, who doesn't vaccinate their kids is a big poopy head, right? If you come at it from that point of view, not being empathetic, then you're likely not going to do well during your interview. But, but really showing that you do understand, you may not agree with it at all, but being empathetic to why they are having those doubts and why they are wanting to... Uh, to not vaccinate their their children, just understanding that and and verbalizing that you understand it and and why those potential reasons are 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 important as you go through this process. So the the follow up questions, right? There's always potential for follow up questions. Is well, how do we uh, in this situation? How do we rebuild that trust? You said there's a lack of trust with the medical community. How do we rebuild that trust? How do we quote unquote convince that parent to to vaccinate their child? So this is a good question. So I think medicine used to be what we call very paternalistic, which is what we told you best was like, this was before kind of you and I practice medicine, but we told you as a physician what was best and you sort of listened and implemented that. And we're moving much more towards what we would call informed consent, which is where we discuss the risks and benefits um, and those risks and benefits are fully disclosed and you get to make what we call an informed choice. So I think continuing to allow informed choice is really important because it it empowers patients um, to be involved in their own healthcare decisions, which is really, really important. I, I think that's an avenue of trust. In terms of vaccines, it seems like there's a lot of thoughts that physicians get paid for vaccines. So there is some software database where you can see if your doctor has ever gotten money from a drug company. I think that that's valuable because it it's sort of hard because like a lot of people do research and get drug grants from drug companies. But in terms of like straight cash payments, like you can see if is your doctor getting paid by the drug company. And then, you know, that that's sort of like disclosing to society as a whole, like what is the financial revenue chain in regards to this. Most physicians now, if you practice in academics or in your med schools, are not allowed to get drug lunches and sort of the, you know, free vacations and golf trips has gone away, which I think is important and ethical and responsible to our community. Um, But I think stuff like that will hopefully slowly kind of erode the pendulum back. Do you think somebody who doesn't trust the medical establishment already do you think they're going to trust a website that shows all of this information anyway? No, probably not. But I think at least it's starting to disclose. Mm-hmm. The other thing, honestly, I think is we need more science in schools, like not just for 
vaccine debate, but you know, you take biology, probably our students all did in um, high school, but it's not even a requirement um, as far as I know. And so, you know, you're just, and I remember like health class being a joke. I think we need to be teaching people like more, essentially um, more like medicine in, in formalized like middle school and high school. Like you have one body and, you know, you get to live in it for the rest of your life. Like I, as a doctor, think that learning about it is more important than learning about like, I don't know, remember when you had to memorize like the genealogy of stuff, uh, like how stuff was named or like astronomy, like I'm never going to go to the moon, but I'm going to, you know, need to know how to take care of myself for the rest of my life. So my personal thought is that we need more science in the schools. That critical thinking is important, not not only with science, but also with just news in general, right? If you think about the 2016 election and what things were going across Facebook feeds and, and lots of quote unquote fake news, right? Of people perpetuating uh, a lot of just false information because people weren't thinking critically through the situation, going out and trying to find other sources of information. They're just click, share, click, share, click, share. It's super easy to do. So uh, yeah, as as a student going through this process, they, they get asked uh, about vaccines, showing those both sides, being empathetic to to the other side. That I think is going to come up a bunch during our conversations is that empathy of the other side. When somebody is interviewing and, and there are probably a, a significant percentage of, of students watching this right now who have kids and who are either on a delayed vaccine schedule or are not vaccinating their kids, should they fear repercussions for voicing those thoughts as well? You mean during an interview? Yeah. I, I would not bring that up during an interview. I think the scientific and the medical community feels very strongly that vaccines save millions and millions of lives. And I get where parents are coming from in terms of like fear and wanting the best for their child. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you could talk about how you love your child and you want the best for them. And like, you're, it's hard and there's a lot of data out there and you're trying to make the right choice, but saying that you're not vaccinating your child or you're on a delayed schedule personally, I wouldn't, I think the scientific community feels very strongly about this specific issue. I don't think that would bode well for you. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think the question could easily come up. Well, if you if you doubt this science, what what other science would you doubt either now or in the future? And and would I want that in in my community of, of students that I'm building? Right. And it's it's hard when you say that and, and you talk about it out loud and discuss it because you're like, well, then you're just you're you're building these echo chambers, right? But but it's, it's vaccines are so hard because there's just all of the data says that they're safe, and yes, there are there's a lot of data. There are bad reactions to vaccines. There's there's no debating that. But the benefits far 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 outweigh the few risks that are out there. I would kind of you brought up a valid point, which is this is one of the things with probably the largest one of the largest bodies of research surrounding it um, and the greatest like public health improvements. I mean, it probably is like in line with evidence-based medicine and clean water. Um, and so I, I think it, it would, 
it would question your credibility as a future physician. And you're right, the worry is echo chambers, but at the same time, I don't think there's a clear answer to that. I would just like stay away from it in an interview. I would discuss it on an intellectual level and an emotional level in terms of empathy for the parents making those choices, but I would stay out of a personal level. All right, so there you have it. Another episode of Interview Prep. I would love if you shared this episode with your classmates, with your friends, with your advisors, potentially to help them prepare for your mock interviews that they are going to give you. If you are looking for a way to get out of the classroom and get some hands-on experience out in the wilderness, the Rocky Mountains or Costa Rica maybe, or even the Channel Islands off of California, look no further than the University of Colorado's Wilderness Medicine Program that is offered through the Emergency Medicine Program at the University of Colorado School of Medicine. If you text the word WILDMED, it's all one word, WILDMED, to 44222, then you'll get a link to the Wilderness Medicine Program that you can check it out. It is a two-week program. There are scholarships available, and you should definitely check it out, especially if you come to the Colorado course. I typically have a day where I come and teach for uh, an hour and a half or so, all about the application process and interviews and personal statements and so much more. So again, text the word WILDMED to 44222. We'll send you a link and even a discount code that you can use to save $100 on the course. I hope you have a great month. We'll be back next month with another great discussion. See you later.